The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazines, Brandon L. Vogel. Can get your subscription today to Hale Varsity Magazine and get the digital package at uh, by going and logging on HaleVarsity.com backslash offer. Find Vogues on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogues, how's the weekend? Uh, good morning. Thanks for jumping on, bud. Thanks for having me. Uh, doing all right. Uh, battling some sort of cold slash bug at the moment, which really... Uh, has been my full-time job uh, for about the past five months. It feels like so um, happy to happy to. You know, this is this is my true passion, my actual work. Uh, but you got to do what you got to do. So, how's the battle versus the war going? Uh, is is the question? Um, are you a? Uh, I'm going to have some hot tea uh, or hot and sour soup from a great Chinese restaurant to flush it out or are you a steam room guy uh how do you battle it when you got the cold thing yeah usually a long shower tends to be about the extent of it i'll make some soup uh if things get if things get pretty dire um <laughs> and, and today i am drinking tea instead of coffee which is which is awful for me at least um but that's that's where we're at you know unfortunately my son who's 21 months old is kind of falling in with the wrong crowd uh, which is namely a bunch of kids his age who just passed illnesses back and forth. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Hopefully, hopefully uh, he, he steers out of it. Brandon, we had uh, on the rewind in the last hour, the conversation with Amir Abdullah that Chris had. And you, you years ago, God, what year was that going to his home in Homewood, Homewood, Alabama? Uh, what year was that that you went? Was that prior to 2013? 2013, wasn't it? Going into the 2014 season, I think. Yeah, and the thing I was struck by just in the interview that that uh, Chris just had with him is just how much of a global thinker that guy is. Just how he's a different different cat, right? Like he is such a high level thinker, uh, and the fact that he's been able to scratch out this long of a career in the NFL without really being a starter for almost any of it uh truly remarkable like it just maybe your reflections on on amir and maybe how unique of a guy he is yeah certainly one of the more unique people i've ever encountered you know in the time that i've been fortunate enough to to cover college football in particular but just sports more broadly and he was he was that type of of deep thinker i would say then um And I think, you know, getting into the NFL and what you're able to experience there 
um, you know, you've, you've got more time than you do as a college athlete, uh, ironically, um, to, to kind of, and well, you, you make a, a professional salary too. If you're somebody who's curious, all of a sudden, like your curiosity even gets fewer bounds. And I would say, you know, I had the, the good fortune to meet the majority of his large family on, on that reporting trip. I think just his brother, who's the closest in age to him was, it was still at Auburn and wasn't, wasn't there, but really that's just, that's that whole family from, from his parents down to all of his siblings who have all, you know, achieved pretty high things and in their chosen fields. So it's always, it's always fun to get to hear Amir's impression of things because you know, it's something that if he hasn't thought about it already, he can do it quickly and, and will have a thoughtful answer for whatever you might ask him. Brayden, as you look back at the the past decade of Husker football, and part, part of me is surprised that guys like Rex Burkhead and Amir Abdullah are still the guys that are, you know, carrying the flag for Nebraska in the NFL. And when you look back at, at that, that one, two punch at running back, Rex Burkhead followed up immediately by Amir Abdullah. <laughs> Were Nebraska fans spoiled in a way that that they didn't appreciate at the time, or should that be the standard at running back at Nebraska moving forward? Like, like I, I I struggle because in modern college football, it's it's rare to see running backs stacked like that back to back guys that are both ten plus year NFL type guys. But then you look at the history of Nebraska, and it's kind of par for the course. And directly yeah. preceded, by the way, by Roy Halu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and Aaron Green in that mix, who you know ended up transferring to TCU, but was a huge recruiting win out of Texas. I, you know, if not a five star at some places, like close to it, um, and, and kind of came in and they had a mirror and and um, I'm for, forgetting the the kid from Ohio, um, his name at the moment, uh, but Braylon and, Hurd and Amir, Braylon Hurd, yeah, Braylon Hurd, uh, and uh, you know Amir kind of took ended up taking that job. I. I I do think it's taken for granted because, well, you know, I, I kind of look back at the Bo Pelini era for myself personally, and I took it for granted. Like I was very much by the time we got to 2013, 2014 of like, well, this is just what it is. You know, if you ever want to get over a hump, you, something drastic has to change, not necessarily, you know, remove the head coach, though that is what happened. Um, but getting those kind of players, you know, in, in Rex Burke, Burkhead was – a schoolboy legend in Plano, Texas. That was a big recruiting win. Amir Abdullah was was a much different story. That was, you know, pretty similar to I think what we're seeing with Cam Taylor Britt now in the NFL. Uh, two guys from Alabama uh, who was a little bit under under the radar. A lot of schools wanted to play defensive back. Uh, Nebraska basically got him by giving him the chance to play running back. So that was more of a an assessment win. But you look at. You, you go back and look at that that roster right when Nebraska kind of entered the Big Ten. A lot of good players uh, that the Huskers had then. Vogues, Coach Rules talked about position switches, and you just hit on a key term, assessment win. Nebraska made a lot of assessment wins uh, towards the end of the Big 12 and into the Big Ten. Amir being one of them, Quincy Anunwa, uh, uh, Kenny Bell, and then Taylor, Baptiste, Taylor yeah. Martinez, right? Because he was a, an athlete. Well, throw his ass at quarterback. I mean, that was some outside-the-box thinking Nebraska did, and you saw how explosive the offense was. Any parallels with Rule's approach here? Not only are they big on senior film, I mean, he raved about that, and that's, man, that's where you find some of those gems. Guys that are – there's so many kids out there that are talented – 
And then once they get some development, man, can they pop. But do you think Nebraska could, well, hit some home runs under rule uh, because of the assessment, how seriously they take that, and also the willingness to be patient and turn over every rock for senior Phil? Yeah, I think I, I think they will have some of those those uh, kind of identification, evaluation, assessment wins. Um, they certainly did so at Baylor and did so at Temple. And it you know it's kind of interesting to me when you look at this from a recruiting perspective. Like, if you think about you know the twenty four seven top class rankings, like the further down that list you fall, the better I think you have to be at that piece of it because like you know what Georgia can get a ready-made guy like okay that's a five-star edge rusher like he looks like an edge rusher right now and he's probably going to play as soon as he gets on campus for nebraska um that might be well the kid played safety uh but as soon as he got here he put on 30 pounds and now we're thinking about him as an edge rusher or you know maybe a linebacker something along those lines so uh, I think you've got to be prepared to do it that way. And I have, you know, based on what the staff has said and based on their track record, I do think they have a particular zeal for finding those players and saying, let's get them in. Like if they've got one skill we really like, or, you know, we like the personality, we feel like it's good fit, good fit. Um, we can figure out what to do with them once they start really doing this full time. Because while there are players who only play football and, you know, devote a ton of time to it in high school, like you're still not doing it to the degree you're not focused on your craft to the degree that you're going to be at college with all the resources you have there. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale varsity radio. Uh, I think this is something we'll have to spend a little more time with and we'll have to see where guys get slotted in the new defense and all that. But I'm getting the sense, Brandon, that there are going to be a, quite a few guys that will have sort of a new lease on life and quite a few position changes. Are there any guys immediately that you've seen that at least have some ability that we know they have a certain amount of athleticism, um, but maybe because of injuries or because of, you know, position on the depth chart or just position where they're playing period that, that you think maybe have a chance to move to a certain spot. Are there any guys that jump to mind immediately for you? Yeah, maybe not specifically. Um, I, I think your best candidates are probably like Nebraska has a ton of DBs on the roster right now. Um, and you've got some DBs that with, with some pretty good size. Uh, you look at, so you're going to need a nickel in this, this three, three, five uh, nominally defense. Uh, Isaac Gifford, I think is your leader there, but uh, you know, what's the difference between him there and dropping him down to, I guess, what would be considered an outlet outside linebacker spot here. Um, it's, it's those guys like that, that kind of are, are football players first uh, who, who have kind of a nose for, for finding the football on defense that I think are your best candidates uh, looking through, looking through the safeties, you, you're bringing back your two returning starters there, but you've got a good a handful of good options, even behind those top two. So, I think there's room for some movement there, but for me, most of it probably starts in the secondary just because of the number of options Nebraska has there. there there's one guy that intrigues me a little bit. I'm curious if you have any insight here, but given Matt Rule's staff's uh, propensity to really look for track guys, Logan Smothers was what, like a 10-6, 100 guy in Alabama, something like that? 
it seems like he's probably going to get buried on the depth chart. We don't know that. Maybe he rises to the top, but it seems like. Is there a chance for him to move? Because he also seems like a guy that doesn't want to leave Nebraska right now. That's that's a really good example. Um, And, you know, that talk has kind of been out there with with Smothers for a while, um, just because he has been behind, you know, I think at least two guys most of the time, barring an injury. Uh, but uh, I, I think for the reasons you said, uh, their interest in his athleticism, because uh, I, I think he was also a, a pretty elite hurdler, um, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, as, as a high school track athlete. So you've got that athleticism there. Uh, you, you brought in another transfer quarterback, you know, and that'll change, I think, once we get through spring. Uh, but if if Smothers is committed to to staying at Nebraska, and if Nebraska wants a kind of more conventional slot guy, you know, they brought in Kemp from Virginia to kind of check that box a little bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Smothers get a look that way, or, or maybe even somewhere else. Brandon Vogel's with us. It's the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, let's switch gears here and talk some Senior Bowl. Uh, we got a, a couple Huskers in action this week. Uh, when you look at uh, O'Shawn Mathis playing in the uh, the Shrine Bowl this week as well. But Trey Palmer made himself some money down in Mobile this week with uh, the Senior Bowl. Did really well and it was one-on-ones, did pretty well in team period. And uh, the Senior Bowl is going to be coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, what do you make of his performance this week? And, and I mean, really looks like he made himself some money. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and I guess not not all that surprised based on uh, what we saw from him during his one year at Nebraska. Um, that was kind of more the surprise moment for me. I mean, you know, he was uh, uh, a well-regarded player coming to, to Lincoln from Baton Rouge, but I didn't foresee the level of production that he had and not even just the production piece of it. Um, but like he just he looked like one of the best players on the field in, in most of Nebraska's games. I mean, and that sheer speed, um, it's it still shocks you. So I think he, you know, we'll see what happens in the game. And in a lot of ways with a game like this, what you do all week leading up to it and workouts that are televised on the NFL network probably matters as much and, and your measurables. But he's, um, yeah, it's, it's a guy who it, it worked out for him. Went to LSU, the school he wanted to, you know, got, got some experience there made the move to Nebraska and and that really kind of highlighted his ability for maybe the first time uh, that you truly got to see it on full display. So I'll be excited to watch him a little bit later today. Yeah. The game's at one thirty on the NFL network for those wondering, and he is on the national team, not the American team. I have no idea what color that means, but he's on the, that's the worst about those games, right? Like, you're just, you're just looking around like, wait, is he on the blue team or the red team? And like, oh, God, they all have 50 stickers on their helmets and you can't find them. And yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Vogues, what sticker would you have drafted? Uh, I know our old boy Searles had an upside down Longhorn, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he had the upside down Longhorn, uh, the front of his helmet and, you know, the one of the red ends. But all right. You're wearing the big uh, red N on one side. Where are you going first to decorate your senior bowl helmet? Yeah, it's tough to be. It's tough to be uh, Sir, the Searles move there. I remember seeing that at the time and being incredibly amused. Um, for me, I, and I assume somebody from Tulane is in this game, but the first person I'm going to to trade with would be like, hey, would you like this very plain sans serif n in exchange for your awesome angry wave 
uh, decal? Does that, does that seem like a fair trade for you? Or do I need to throw in some cash here? Um, that would be the first one that I probably get. Um, I've always been uh, uh, enamored with, I guess, the, the App State, which is very, like, hand-drawn logo. In fact, Jerry Moore, one-time Nebraska assistant way back in the day under Tom Osborne, who kind of built that program into FCS Power, I think actually did that logo himself. So I'd go looking for one of those. Um, man, I could probably spend about 20 minutes if I really sat down and thought about it. But there's two to start. You know, I'm probably going with the um, – I think the USC Trojans pretty cool. I like uh, the Spartan insignia is pretty awesome. And you just never really trade the, the Michigan wings. You can't picture them on an, any different helmet. I mean, Delaware does, but that's about it. Um, Princeton. Yeah. Yeah. Good work. I think Ron Colley in Omaha does too. Okay. I could be but, wrong there. You know, but you, you are to me, it's always, it's the Navy and the, uh, and the, uh, yep. the yellow. So all good. I had to just go fashion there for a moment, Vogues. Uh, position group that you think, will see maybe the most attrition. I know Brady Altman's did a nice job post-signing day with scholarship breakdown, and there's uh, there's still just 15 bodies in the O-line room. You've got 12 defensive line scholarship guys, 19 defensive backs, four edge, four nickel. And we're talking about uh, switching up a little bit with maybe some guys add weight, change positions. Uh, nickel to edge or DB to nickel uh, or, or some sort of hybrid spot with a little more weight. But what room do you see? Do you think you see the most uh, subtraction from six at the quarterback room as well? Yeah, I would probably, probably play the numbers here and say, you know, you mentioned it. I, we're looking at nearly 25 guys without even including the lock-ons that are technically defensive backs. Like, you got more DBs on the roster than you do offensive linemen, uh, and that, wow. even while you're getting, you know, you're getting five DBs on the field, same as you are on the offensive line. So, I would expect there to be some some sorting there. Um, there's just a, a lot of players, a lot of promising players in my mind, but at the end of the day, there's only so many snaps. Uh, based on, I guess, percentage, I might go to the quarterback room next. Um, just we know it's. We know it's uh, a position where you see a lot of movement in, in the transfer portal era, and Nebraska will go through the spring, uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I mean, I guess I would be surprised if they didn't lose one quarterback a, at the end of the spring, but it wouldn't be a surprise a, at all if it, if it two ended up, you know, saying I gotta I gotta try and find a spot mm-hmm. to get on the field quicker. Hey, Brandon, quickly switch over to baseball as Nebraska is. Uh... Got, I got their fan day coming up next weekend and uh, it's going to kick off their season out in California pretty soon here. Names their five captains. You got Kyle Perry and uh, Shea Shanneman from the, from the pitching staff, Griffin Everett, the catcher, Bryce Matthews, the kind of utility infielder that's played almost every spot. Uh, movement uh in that sport period but your your assessment so far of what will bolt is taking into 
this year, now that we're getting a little bit further away from the pandemic and things are starting to normalize a little bit? Yeah, it'll, it'll feel, I think, a little similar to me to what spring football might feel like uh, when you look at kind of the amount of, of roster turnover Nebraska had coming off of, of last season, um, lost some, some pretty good players and, and did what they could to replace replace them with some some pretty good players and not solely from the JUCO ranks. You know, you've got a couple of, uh, you know, power five, uh, for lack of a better term, that's what we would use in football, transfers coming in. Um, got sort of an interesting schedule open in California, of course, but uh, I think it's in Houston. Uh, if I remember correctly, you got one of going to get a face in Ole Miss. Um, and last year's, you know, was a strange one. Nebraska came in big 10 favorites. Didn't come anywhere close to that. Um, in some ways, I think that almost lends itself better to the type of baseball. Will Bolt tries to, to play and to teach. Um, which is, you know, pretty gritty and, and do the small things. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited for them to get started because you, you can't really know how those pieces of it are going to come together until they actually get out there on the diamond. Yeah. Brandon Vogel's with us well, here. It's a, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Schmitty, I got to sneak this in before we get Brandon out this hour. And it, it's a it's a bit personal on my end, but Schmitty and I have talked a couple times this week. I'm going to be uh, trying some ribs this afternoon, trying to lock in my Super Bowl recipe, get that ready to go, and i got to talk to the, the man himself, Brandon Vogel, and get your, your rib tips. Do you have any tips for me before I get going on that this afternoon? Um, well, I, I think the key thing is, and don't overcook them. Um, like, <laughs> once, a lot of people like it. You know, I mean, the commercials say fall off the bone. A lot of people are like, oh, that's a good rib. Uh, to me, that's that's a little bit mushy, a little bit. So keep a close eye, like once you know you're getting close to it. Are you doing spare ribs or baby back ribs? Uh, I believe spare ribs. That's what I'm going to okay. do. Yeah, those those are those are big guys. Uh, they'll they'll take a little while, uh, but they're they're a little bit more forgiving for that. But other than that, you know, come up with a rub that you like. You probably have the spices you can you want to make a decent one, or just use a store bought one. Um, throw some mustard on it. Get the uh, Get it there and, and let it go. Uh, you can you can do a Reddit search or Google or whatever. Uh, the big debate with ribs is whether to put them in foil or not after a certain stage. So don't have enough time for that, but I'll let you. I'll, I'll say take take a look at that. It's it's kind of a key. Would, would you would you foil them personally? I don't. Okay. Um, uh, but I think it probably produces a slightly better result more consistently, but. I try to keep it simple. I like just fire, fire and meat. That's sweet. Fire and meat. Here's our title. I want to. Get, you're right. Right. I want to get shirts printed that just say that. Fire and, and meat. People are like, "What is that?" Be like, speaks for itself, bro. Uh, being a carnivore and, and a and a pyromaniac. I love it. That's, um, that's beautiful. no foils. Okay to have them on or wrapped around a little. A little that's boat I to do hold it. the juices. Little boat, little boat, uh, and 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 you smoke them for you know five and a half six hours. Let them crisp in the oven. But Vogue's right; like the fall off the bones, nice, and some folks love it. But you need a little stickiness mm-hmm. to them. They need a little grab, they a little bite, a little bite. Um, yeah. No, I like it. How many how many crowns should one have uh, from start to finish in the smoking process if it's six hours? What's the the Vogel recommended amount? Crowns, whiskeys, or beers? <laughs> um, 
Maybe for maybe for the practice round, Elijah, keep it <laughs> keep it to, Jack. to three. Uh, three. You know, if it goes well, and then it's Super Bowl Sunday, you know people are coming over. Let's have some fun. You can you have my permission to bump that. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> three heavy pours though. Heavy pours. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Vogues, we'll get your wiki re- whiskey recommendation next weekend uh, as we head to the Super Bowl. Thanks for your time this morning, bud. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. There Thanks, he is, Brandon, Brandon Vogel with us, uh, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Get your subscription, HaleVarsity.com backslash offer to uh, get the magazine and the digital. Do that. Uh, get Vogue's book, Valentine's Days Around the Corner, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel and John Cook. We'll check in with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp up next to Tail Varsity Weekend presented by Currency.